Good morning. I have to tell you, honestly, uh, it's a little bit more nervous being up here than it is being out there. Um, in, in preparation for this morning, I probably had the sermon wrote a week or two ago, honestly, and played it back in my mind of how I wanted to, to give it to you. And I told Sean, Sean asked me, sorry, dog. He said, uh, hey, if y'all don't have the preacher here on this Sunday, it's going to be you preaching. And I was like, whatever, we'll, we'll, have, him, we'll have him here. And I kept telling David in our meetings, he's going to be here on the 16th, right? And <laughs> sure enough, he's going to be here next week. So here I am. So that's the story about how I got here. Thanks, Sean. Don't hang out with Sean too much. <laughs> He'll put you on the spot. Um, so introduce myself a little bit. My name's Tommy Burris. Um, and I love how Paul introduces himself in the New Testament. Um, he introduces himself as a bondservant of Christ. And so I would like to tell you that I'm a bondservant of Christ, a self-chosen slave uh, since I was six years old um, is when I became a, a Christian. I've been married to my wife for 18 years this year. Um, and, and we've made it. So far, so good. <laughs> uh, I'm a father to three beautiful wise children that all have come to know the Lord now. Uh, Madison, who is 14, almost 15, and then Brinley, who is the life of the bunch most of the time, and Titus, who's just become a Christian. So um, I'm blessed with those three kids. Now, my job, I get paid to teach high school agriculture. That's my job. That's not who I am, though, so I don't want to identify as that. Um, but in preparation, I was listening to a preacher preach Baptist preacher, he's preaching on temperance of, of alcohol, and he was telling his congregation, um, if I had all the beer in the world, I'd take it, and I'd take it down to the river, and I'd throw it all in the river, and the deacon started murmuring, and uh, he'd come back again with even stronger, and he said, if I had all the wine in the world, I'd take that to the river too, and throw that in the river, and the deacon's wives were getting into it, yeah, yeah, and then he looked at the congregation. He's going to end on this one. If I had all the whiskey in the world, I would take it down to the river and I'd throw it in the world. And he went and sat down. And the music minister got up on stage. He had about a half smile on him. He said, if you'll turn your hymns to page 365, shall we gather at the river? <laughs> Ain't that right, Sean? <laughs> We're close to the river, right? <laughs> Um, I had told some people that I was going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and title the sermon, Just How Fruity Are You? But that's not where God led me. So God is, he's taken me down a different path. And uh, so we're going to be in Jonah. And uh, God does not always call you where you want to go, but God will always call you where you need to go. Sometimes we're tasked with different things by God. God will call us to uh, share the gospel. Maybe come up on stage and preach. Help somebody in need. Pray for folks in situations. Maybe even lead a Bible study. Or how about this one, holding somebody accountable? What, ha what happens when God calls you to do something that you don't want to do? As we slide on over into Jonah... We've all heard the story of Jonah and the whale, but how many of us have heard the story of Jonah and the worm? It's at the end of the book. Jonah's worst enemy in the animal kingdom was not the whale. It was the little worm. And we'll get there in a minute. 
Um, Jonah had an excuse. He was not gonna go to Nineveh because that was an enemy of the Israel. Um, at the time, the Assyrian Empire, which Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, they had done a lot of bad things to the Israelites. And for Jonah to go there would mean that he would have to turn his back on his own people and get them to follow him. And he was not about to do that. I think about times in my life where God has um, put somebody in my life. I pray for that. We prayed for that just now on the, on the list of the three things. Number two, let's pray for lost souls. How many of us prayed for, for us to be a light and somebody's lost soul? I did. Um, but do you really mean that? If God's gonna call you to your enemy, are you willing to go? My excuse is I can't because I'm not gonna go to them. That's, that's out of my circle of friends. It's out of my circle of network. I won't go to them. Here's, here's the line in the sand, God. And I don't go to them because that's my choice. God can put somebody else there to do that. So if you're already in Jonah, Jonah was written in 793 to about 758 B.C., Probably by Jonah is what the scholars believe. This book is unique amongst all the other prophets in the, in the books of the Old Testament. In that, um, the other books of the prophets were written um, about the words of the prophets, the prophecies that they had to say, whereas Jonah was written about Jonah. It was about a story and the timeline of his life. Chapters one and three tell us about the encounters that Jonah has with, uh, with people with pagans, with non-Israelites. And uh, it's, it's a comic contrast if you'll think about it. Jonah is called to go to Nineveh. He gets on a boat and goes to, or he's headed to Tarshish, which, uh-oh, hang on. Wrong slide, sorry. I jumped ahead of myself. We, he's headed to Tarshish and uh, storm comes. Sailors figure out he's the problem and they toss him overboard. Um, but who comes to repentance on that boat? The sailors. The sailors who are pagans and have pagan gods. In chapter three, we see that he does make it to Nineveh finally after coming out of the belly of the well. And he goes into the city and he preaches to the pagans and we know that they turn to God. It's crazy how Jonah never really comes to God during that time. Chapters two and four, our prayers or conversations that, that Jonah has with God. Chapter two is gonna be a prayer that Jonah has with um, God while he's in the belly of the well. Save me and I'll do your will. We've all been there. Save me, God. Get me out of this situation. I'll do whatever you want. That's, Jonah's in there right now. Chapter four is a conversation with God after Jonah leaves the city of Nineveh and goes and sits on a hill and he's mad at God now because God has just saved the city. And so that's that conversation. Take you on a little mental field trip. 25 years ago, we were playing a football game, and this was my old high school down in South Texas in Pettis. Um, there was two, three, three cities or towns in the county, two of which were the same size, and we played each other in sports. Needless to say, it was a good rivalry. Um, to give you a little history into that, in Pettis, 10 miles west of town, there sits a Baptist children's home way out in the middle of the brush country. This Baptist children's home can hold about 110 kids, and that's where I grew up. My dad worked there. Uh, we spent about 25 years of our lives down there at this children's home. 
And so, in this game, we're playing our rivalry, Skidmore Tynan, which is close to Corpus Christi. And there had been some scuffles, some fights, more penalty yards than offense yards. And uh, the game's winding down. We're in the fourth quarter, and it's six to zero, and we're losing. And you know, we're, we're beat, we're wore out. We're tired of getting slapped around and, and all the stuff that happens in the piles. Everybody, if you played football, you know what happens in those piles. And the cheerleaders and our fans yell out the, the chant, we have spirit, yes we do, we have spirit, how about you? You know, it, it pumped us up a little bit. We thought, okay, a few more minutes and this game's gonna be over, we can, we, can, we can get it in. And all of a sudden, the feedback from the other side shouted, we have parents, yes we do, we have parents, how about you? Mm, you talk about hurt. Um, pin drop was a bomb explosion. We know God has called Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach repentance before the town gets destroyed. Um, but Jonah gets on a ship and he's, he's headed to Tarshish. Um, Jonah 1.17 says, and the Lord designated a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah chapter two he prays to God, get me out of here, God, and I'll go to Nineveh. So we see right here, Jonah boarded the ship in, in Joppa, was planning on traveling almost 2,500 miles to about the coast of Spain and dodging Nineveh. So he was headed a long ways. He was running for God, from God, and if the world's flat at that time, he's going to the edge of the world. He's running from God. He's gonna hide from God. But let's, let's dig in. We're gonna start in chapter three this morning. And we'll start in, uh, in verse four. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation and it said, in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste the thing. Do not let them eat or drink water, but both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. And let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would not bring upon them, and he did not do it. There's three things Jonah does here, and we'll get to the third one when we look at the fourth chapter. Jonah runs from God. Jonah obeys God with a bad attitude, and then finally, Jonah is gonna wish for Nineveh to go back into their sinful way so God will destroy the city. Has God ever asked you to do something that is so against your standard, that goes so against your, your personal beliefs that you've run from God, or even that you've distorted the truth and lied to God? You know, I've prayed for God to put somebody in my life that 
or put somebody in my path so I could be a witness to them. I prayed almost every Sunday um, in church and, and Sunday school. Every morning before I, I go to work, I, that's my prayer. God, put somebody in my, in my life that needs to hear your word. And you know what? God's been faithful to do it. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, right? It's easy to share my faith with someone who agrees with me politically. It's easy to share my faith with somebody who's in my friend group that already has a history or a knowledge of God and Jesus. It's even history for me to sit down with my family and say something about Jesus at the dinner table. But what is out of my comfort zone is sharing Jesus with somebody that's not. Why do we allow that, church? We pray for boldness. We pray for courage to spread the gospel, but we stop just shy of leaving our front door. Here's an interesting fact right here. Only three in 10 unchurched Americans, less than 30% say a Christian has ever shared with them one-on-one -on -one how a person becomes a Christian in a lifeway study. That's sad. That's sad. If I, could, if I could group 10 people that I know right now that I know do not have a church life, how many times have I shared Jesus with them? I can tell you for me personally, it's probably, that's probably pretty accurate that I've talked about a church experience, spread Jesus to them somehow, and it's gonna be probably less than 30%, less than three. The difficulty is when I feel like Jonah, God wants me to go to my enemies. He wants us to go to our enemies. He wants us to go to people that are not in our comfort zone with different minds and share the gospel. But why? Why would God want me to go to them? What does God see in them? He's seeing something that I don't see in them, right? I can make a list of reasons of why I don't wanna spend eternity with that person in heaven. We all have those people, we all know those people in our lives that I can't wait to get away from this person, uh, push them aside, they're out of my comfort zone. But God has called us to a higher task, church. We're to share the gospel with all. He puts us in their lives for that reason. We're supposed to be the light on the hill, yet we cover our light when we go out. The question is, are you being the light on the hill or are you putting that light out? You see, by not being obedient to God in those times, we're not only judging that person, saying they're not worthy of salvation, but we're also condemning their soul to hell. We, we may not sin according to the Ten Commandments or even some of the Sermon on the Mount, but when we don't share the gospel, when God set us to that point to do that, we have just sent that person to hell. Be careful, church. Matthew 7, 1 and 2 says, for in the same way you judge, you will also be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. If God is putting you in somebody's life, you need to make sure you're being obedient. Didn't, for God so loved the world, why am I limiting, why am I caging God's love for somebody else?
Do we really want our friends, our family, our frenemies to go to hell, to see God's wrath, God's destruction? I would hope not. In Acts, in chapter 9, we see Saul to Paul's conversion. Um, but the, the, the story I like better after Saul sees the light and has his encounter with Jesus along his way to Damascus, I think, I think the better part of the story comes with Ananias coming in. God told Ananias, Saul, go find Saul from Tarsus. And he knew who Saul was. He had heard. He knew he was in Damascus to get the Christians and, and take them to jail. But God called Ananias to go to him, go to the street called Straight, go into this room and find him, heal his, black, or heal his blind eyes and help him out. But what would have happened if Ananias would have been disobedient and ran? What would have happened if Saul would have never turned into Paul? I, I believe this firmly, that God will either use you or he will lose you according to your obedience or disobedience. God's will will be done whether he uses you or somebody else. Jonah did obey. He did go to Nineveh. But he did it with a bad attitude. You ever do things with a bad attitude? Something you don't want to do? Yeah, I do. My wife will ask me to do something. Whoa. I don't want to do it at that time. In preparing for this sermon, um, Brimley, our middle child, she came and sat across the dinner table from me as I was writing in my notes and, and going through scripture. She said, uh, What's the sermon about? What are you going to talk about? What are the stories going to be about? And if you've ever listened to Brinley, she, said, she talks 100 miles an hour and asks you 15 questions before you can answer the first one. And so I had to think back, what was the first question? And I get there, and I, so I, I don't want to give away my topic. I don't want to give away my sermon. I don't even want to give away what book of the Bible I'm going to be in. So I gave her and said, this is going to be about sharing your faith, your testimony, the gospel of Christ with people you don't like. And she said, I don't understand. Give me an example. And so... Thinking, I'm like, how do you put this on a sixth grade term? And so I said, how about this? You going and sharing your faith with one of the liberals at school. And her eyes and her face, like some of y'all's just now. <laughs> she said, okay, and got up and left. But isn't that true? We have a nation hurting right now but we're not willing to share the gospel. We, we know the cure. Jesus is the cure, but we're just not ready to give in. Paul writes in Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He writes again in Philippians 2.5, your attitude should be that or the same as that of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of Christ. Are you conducting yourself in a manner worthy of Christ? Is your attitude that of Jesus Christ? Moreover, am I an imitator of Jesus Christ? That's hard. That's hard to share Christ with somebody that I know that I'm gonna disagree with, that I know I don't like, that I don't even wanna be around them. Unchurched Americans, say they would be more willing to listen to Christians talk about their faith 
if they saw Christians living out their faith in public? Do you live out your faith in public? When you leave here, are you the same person that goes out there? It's easy to be who we are in this building right now, but when we leave here, that's the harder part. Who did Jesus love? Who did Jesus go to? Who was Jesus' audience, and who did he spend time with? He spent time with those out of his comfort zone. In Jonah 4, we see in verse one that it greatly displeased Jonah that God had relinquished his corruption on that city, and he prayed the Lord, please, and he didn't do it. In Jonah 4, verse 5, it says, Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it. And he made himself a, uh, a shade until he could see what would happen. He was praying for that city to go back into their old ways. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. And when the sun came up, God appointed, it, appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I had good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left hand, as well as many animals? Jonah wanted them to go back into their own way, old ways so God would destroy that city. But that didn't happen for 150 years to where they'd go back to their old ways. Jonah wanted his will to be done to those kinds of people. Do you want your will to be done to those kinds of people in your life? We talked this morning in Sunday school. Sean asked a question about uh, missing out on opportunities. When we miss out on God's opportunities to be disobedient, we're robbing ourselves of the joy that God has set aside for us. Close to two and three unchurched Americans say that they have multiple Christian friends whom they interact with regularly and have never had the gospel presented to them. It's probably pretty accurate. Going back to that football game, the game ended, and at that moment in time, we were watching. We didn't know if there was going to be a storm of people come onto the field. The refs stopped the game. Um, time to, stood still for that moment, and all I could think of was, God, please do not let me have any of these people in my life later on. Keep them out of my life. And I knew they were probably good guys, just like I was. They went to church in their town every Sunday. They, they held the doors open for ladies as they came into the church or restaurants. Uh, but there was no amount of good that they could do to me or anybody else to redeem themselves. Redemption at that point for me was lost 
to them um, because they were no longer available to God's grace. And at that time, I became a Jonah. Don't we have, all have those people in our lives that we believe that don't deserve God's grace? Later on, two years later, I would become best friends with one of those guys on the football field. And he would come to church with us. And he would eventually be baptized. It's crazy and unfathomable to me how we can come to this building every Sunday to be part, such a part of an amazing congregation, a, a congregation that has such unity. And then we leave and go out into our own world and we, and we stop with God's message. We're so selfish with the one commission that we've been tasked with that we won't set foot outside with God's word. But God said, Jesus said, we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Why is all used there twice in that same verse? Because his grace is for all. The root of Jonah's problem was not the worm. It was never the worm. It was his self-righteousness. You and I see grace as a charity for those who deserve it instead of it being a free gift from God given to all. Are you okay with loving your enemies? Because God does. Are you waiting for God to send your wrath on your enemies? Are you gonna go in and give a five-word sermon just like Jonah did? Jonah never said God, he never said repentance, he never said sin, he said repent or your town's gonna be overthrown and walked out. Or will you be like Ananias and be obedient to the call that God has set before you? As the band makes their way down, um, my prayer is that you would identify those people in your life that are outside of your comfort zone that need to hear Jesus. That you would find those 10 people that do better than 30%. And if you're not a Christian, God's grace is sufficient for you, just like the people of Nineveh. Maybe you're realizing that you've been living without God's grace and you need to act on faith. And so my prayer is that you'll come to him. And if you'd like to pray with somebody, I'll be down here at the front of the steps to pray with you. Um, and Sean will be in the back. And so I'll just pray for you all this week. Thank you.